0: All right, friends, well, our sermon series today continues as we go about our search for what is true. What is true about me? What is true about you? And in recent weeks, you've heard this in the Psalms and in the sermons how we are known. Our Heavenly Father knows everything about us, and still, by His grace, we are loved. We are loved so unconditionally that our great God demonstrated this on the cross. We are worth dying for. We are worth dying for. And from the beginning of time through this very day, we are made in the image of God. And then as image bearers, we acknowledge that we are broken. We recognized last week on Reformation Sunday that even though we are justified, you know this, justified, just as if I'd never sinned. All right, justified. Even though we are justified by the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we still have this propensity to sin against God because we are broken. And this is nothing new. Humankind has been broken since Genesis 3 and the fall. And due to this state, we need to prayerfully be ready to repent, to reform, to turn back to God every time that we turn away from him. And just like the running father in Luke 15, God will receive us with his open arms whenever we turn around and return home to him. Today, we're gonna look at Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Much like the parables that we've studied recently, we're gonna look at how this passage reflects us. My friend Paul holds up a mirror to me of how I am broken, how I struggle between doing what I know is good and what I just wanna do. And then how much I need a savior and how much I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And right about now I need to pray before we go any further. (laughs) Please bow your heads with me and let's pray. Almighty God, heavenly Father, loving Father, you know everything about us and still you want us in relationship with you. You want to love on us. You want us to love each other. And I pray, Father, that you will show us through this time that you will move your Holy Spirit among us to see and feel that that is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of our Savior, I pray. Amen. Amen. So our passage today comes from Romans, and if you will indulge me, I want to start at the end of the text this time, reading here from Romans 8, 1, and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So my friends, in good biblical literacy, what are we to do when we see this segue, therefore? What is it therefore? Thank you, Ken. (laughs) What is it therefore? This word flashes as a signal to us that we will only understand what's coming if we look at the text preceding it. And of course, wanting you to be gospel fluent, I would love for you to read the entire book of Romans It serves as this manual right at our fingertips for what it is to live the Christian life. So perhaps today do that on your own, but today we're just gonna do a little bit of Romans chapter seven, 18 through 25, so that we'll know what the therefore is there for. So I need to set the stage here. As I read the passage, think of the Psalms. Think of the impassioned pleas to God that one would cry out as a lament to him. I do believe that chapter seven is Paul's personal psalm of lament. It's about his condition as a broken image bearer of God. And so I pray that the ears of your heart will hear this cry beginning at verse 18. But it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death thanks be to god who delivers me through jesus christ our lord so then i myself in my mind am a slave to god's law but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Thanks be to God for his good word. Make good choices. Make good choices. This phrase is what our kids often heard as they would ride their bikes off to school in the mornings. Make good choices. Mike and I tried to practice this at home early on. When they were little, it meant that I presented to them two options, which I had already approved. But the exercise of making choices empowered our children. As teenagers and now as adults, this phrase entails evaluating consequences. Like, if you choose option A, it means harder work but someone's feelings won't get smashed. If you choose option B, it'll be super easy, but someone's feelings will get hurt. If I turn in this work late, if I don't go along with these friends, if I make choices that are not healthy. And we kinda joke about it now, you know, when we're leaving the house, make good choices. But isn't that what a whole lot of life is about? Making choices. As an only child, I sometimes think in my brokenness that I have the corner on selfish motives. I don't necessarily do it on purpose or even consciously sometimes, it's just part of me. I mean, think about it. For the first 18 years of my life, I didn't have to share anything my bedroom, my bathroom, my car, my time, my music. You know, me, my, and I, we got along great. College roommate though, yeah, all three of those went down in flames until I finally made the choice to live by myself again. So it was only after getting married and having three children that I really had to adapt and change some of my attitudes and make some good choices. So I understand what Paul is saying here. I desire a harmonious environment in the Hergert household, but that gets messed up when I insist on my own. Paul writes it here in verse 18: I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out not by myself anyway I do not have it within me to do what is intrinsically good originating from God until I'm empowered by him through faith it is nothing I have on my own it's not my power it's not my might the reformer Martin Luther pointed out that by the corruption of that very first sin in Genesis 3, our nature is just so deeply curved in on itself that we live an inward life. This is instead of living an upright, outward life for God, living for God, living to serve others. In the Latin from Luther's time, this is called incurvatus in se to be curved in on the self. So let's look at how Paul puts this condition. In verse 19, he sums it all up very well. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. I keep on curving in on myself. And you know, at first glance, this text In Romans 7, the whole chapter might sound like what an unbeliever would say. Paul's lament sounds kind of depressing. Especially when we know that Paul wrote from the faith and from the hope of having seen and heard the risen Lord in his road to Damascus conversion. Why does Paul, of all people, cry out like this? Because he knows, he knows firsthand the conflict of our hearts between desire and performance. Doesn't Paul describe the Christian's life as it actually is? And is it not true that even the best of us have our worst sides? There are no perfect humans. I want the good and I hate the evil but I act perversely by doing what I hate and not doing the good. I know, love, and long for God's law, God's way. The human will is there, the human ability is not. I'm gonna miss the mark. Whether by commission or omission, I'm gonna miss the mark in my thoughts, my feelings, In my speech, in my actions, I cannot do the good successfully and consistently. I will not always make good choices when left to myself. And in these moments, I feel less than known, less than loved, worth dying for. I just feel broken. Just because I feel less than doesn't make it true. I know that. Intellectually, I know that. But sometimes, I need to work through it. I need to process. I need to pray. Life is divided. We serve the law of God and the law of sin at the same time. Mind and flesh are at war with each other. There's something in me that wants to do right that rejoices in God's will. And then there's something also that hates to do right, just drags me back into the slavery of sin. Huh, am I against sin? Am I for it? Am I good? Am I bad? Am I good because I so heartily approve of what is good? Or bad because my performance is never up to the ideal? Paul communicates something very familiar here. We are creatures with mixed desires. We're never left with only one desire working in our hearts, in our minds. It's this whole business of making choices, We have some good news in the Hergert household. Our son Benjamin got a job. Woohoo! <sighs> Thank you for praying. Um, <laughs> and this week, Mike and Matthew have moved Benjamin up to Jackson, Wyoming. So when he was here, when he was still here and he was packing up, Benjamin needed some things to furnish his apartment. And my incredibly generous husband said... Just walk around the house and see if there's anything you need to take. Really, just, just. Oh, the struggle. If you decide to take my grandmother's mahogany sleigh bed, just like if you could just. Oh, Sabrina, make good choices. Make good choices, make good choices if you could just make sure it stays in the family. Why does this matter to me? What is a piece of furniture, really? Shouldn't I be more concerned that my son has a bed? And once again, I feel my selfishness just rearing its ugly head, and I am curved in on myself again. And old habits are not gonna bring about new life. The only way to change things is through the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. In moments like this, one thing that works well for me is a spiritual practice of breath prayer. This spiritual formation is helpful when you don't have the words, or maybe you don't have the feeling. It's times when the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf with sighs too deep for words. Breath prayer is a rhythmic calming where you breathe in a prayer and you breathe out a prayer. So for me, it's this Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Just back and forth, back and forth. The spiritual practice comes in handy at work, in school in the car, in a moment when you are stressed out and you feel less than, when you need to make good choices, just silently in your head, breathe in your prayer and breathe out your prayer or scripture or lyrics to a song. And if you want to learn more about breath prayer, grab this QR code and watch a short video, 10 minutes It's on our website. When you have your breath prayer in your arsenal, you're ready to go. You'll be empowered by the Holy Spirit. You'll be equipped in advance for whatever may come. Church, the Christian life is essentially life in the Spirit. It's a life that's animated and sustained and directed and enriched by the Holy Spirit And let me say, without the Holy Spirit, real Christian discipleship would be inconceivable. So I pray, I pray that you're gonna give appropriate attention to the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. That you will be selfless, that you will share your awareness of the Holy Spirit's work with people who do not know because these folks may not see that battle going on. They may not cry out this lament like Paul does, like we do. We are sinners. God is holy, we are not. We are unable to meet the demands of God's law on our own. And Paul illustrates this bitter inner battle when we try to get ourselves into spiritual shape on our own steam. As believers, we discover our own helplessness apart from God's mercy. So we hold on to the Spirit of God who sets us free from sin and for service. Yes. But what about the folks who do not believe, who do not know God? What about the people we encounter who have been hurt by the church and have no intention of returning? These friends, these neighbors do not approach God with the awe and wonder as we are prone to do. And so our Father God gathers us. We are the covenant community. We're to be the vehicle for his saving purpose. This is part of our tenets as Presbyterians in the eco-denomination. The Holy Spirit grants us faith So that we may be witnesses of God's gracious presence to those who are lost. So, prayerfully, consider sharing with them just just some of the weaknesses you face, identify with them courageously share the power of the Holy Spirit, how it helps us in our walk with Jesus Christ, that we don't have it all together, that we struggle with good, with evil, with sin. Let them see this by compassion, not condemnation, but even with a little understanding, that we Christians are only able to do anything good By the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, that they can have this power too. The power of the gospel that sets us free. The removal of all condemnation for all of us who are in Christ Jesus is the work of the Holy Spirit. Nothing else can save us. No matter how many good things we do, no matter how many gold stars we earn, we can never fully obey the law. We're only going to end up feeling exasperated or depressed. We just don't measure up. And God knew this. He gave us his son to be our sin offering. And Jesus took it on himself, all of that sin, while he was completely without any sin of his own. Through his ultimate love, his ultimate sacrifice we are empowered to make good choices because as my friend paul says in romans eight through christ jesus the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death praise god that there is no condemnation for us in christ jesus amen gracious god merciful god full of compassion for us. Stir that compassion in us to look outward, to demonstrate for others your love, your tender, unconditional love. In Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. Amen.